Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. Look at John chapter 12, and we're going to talk about uh, one of the prayers of Jesus Christ in the Gospels and see what we can discover from it, see what we can learn about it, and, and what we can apply to our own prayer life as we study. Remember, Jesus is the greatest example of prayer. And so if we want to learn about prayer, then who better to learn from than Jesus Christ? In fact, his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And uh, at the beginning of this series, I made the point that that wasn't because they didn't know how to pray. It was that they wanted to pray like Jesus uh, prayed. Have you ever heard somebody pray and you say, I wish I could pray like that person, right? Well, that's what the disciples were saying. It wasn't that they didn't know how. It was that they said, I want to be able to pray like Jesus prayed, uh, prays because his, his prayers get heard and they get results. And so that was the, that was the point that, of the disciples saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. So Jesus was the greatest teacher. He was the greatest example for us about prayer. And in John chapter 12, we're going to read uh, another one of his prayers um, that is contained almost, this is almost halfway through. It's a little bit more than halfway through, but it's almost at the midpoint of the gospel of John. So John chapter 12, beginning in verse um, number 20. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. And so these came to Philip, who, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him. So they're asking Philip, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Verse 26, and if anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Lord will honor him. Then in verse number 27, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. So, Father, and here's the prayer, verse 28. So, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that, God, you would show us something tonight from this passage, something from this short prayer that Jesus Christ prayed about how we, Lord, can pray for your glory in our own lives in spite of uh, what we may be going through, the tests that we face, the adversity, God, that we endure. So teach us, Lord, to pray uh, for your glory in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, <clears throat> the significance of this passage being found right in the middle of uh, the Gospel of John is that this, is that this prayer, this, actual, this passage actually represents a significant transition in the ministry of Jesus Christ. 
Now, up to this point in the ministry of Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus has been saying, my hour has not yet come. You remember, in fact, the first miracle that Jesus performed in the Gospel of John was he turned the water into wine at the marriage of uh, at Cana. Remember that? And when his mother came to him and, and was asking him to do that, to, to perform a miracle, you remember what Jesus said to her? He said, woman, he said, my time has not yet come yet. So it's not my time yet. My hour has not come. And so up to this point, that's what Jesus has been saying, my hour has not come. But what you notice in this passage is the first time that Jesus says what? The hour has come. Okay, so this marks a, a, a significant transition in the ministry of, of Jesus Christ. And although uh, this prayer, although this prayer doesn't match, this is in your notes, Although it doesn't match the setting of the synoptic gospels, so it's not the same setting, uh, this episode does bear resemblance to Gethsemane, Jesus' praying in Gethsemane. So here Jesus is praying. He's saying, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He's talking, of course, about his eventual crucifixion and his resurrection. And so Jesus is now saying the time has come uh, for this to begin to be fulfilled and revealed in my life. And so in the Gospel of John, prior, this is also in your notes, prior to this moment, prior to this prayer, uh, God's glory had been seen in Jesus Christ. The way God's glory was seen in Jesus Christ was through the many miraculous signs that Jesus had performed. And remember, we talked about that. It might have been last week about in, in the Gospel of John, there are seven sign miracles that Jesus performs. And so in each one of those miracles, God is revealing his glory through Jesus Christ, revealing to the people, supposed to, the people are supposed to be able to see the glory of God through the signs, the miracles of Jesus Christ up to this point. So prior to this, God's glory had been seen through the miraculous signs that Jesus had performed. However, now, uh, from this point forward, God's glory, Jesus will perform no more sign miracles. Uh, but from this point forward, God's glory would be seen through his suffering, particularly his crucifixion. And so this it's an important passage because it marks a very important transition in the ministry of Jesus Christ, whereas God's glory prior to this point had been revealed through the signs that Jesus performed. At this point, it all changes. Jesus says, now my hour has come. And so from this point forward, God's glory is going to be revealed through Jesus's suffering and in particular, uh, his, his crucifixion. And here's what Jesus says. Um, and that's why Jesus says, in fact, that's why we backed up and we read the context of this passage. Because the Bible says that at the, this feast, many Greeks came and they said what? We want to see Jesus, which means what? They wanted to see more miracles. They wanted to see God's glory revealed through the miracles that Jesus was doing. And Jesus says what? No, everything's changing now. No more miracles, no more signs like that. And he says, the time has come for me to begin to 
make my way to Jerusalem and be crucified. And that's why he talks about if a, if a seed falls into the ground, it dies. And so Jesus is changing. He's saying you're not going to see any more sign miracles like that. Now if you see God's glory, it's going to be through my suffering and through my crucifixion. And so uh, the nature of the glory that is going to be revealed through Jesus Christ uh, changes at this moment, and God's glory will be revealed through Jesus' suffering and through his, through his crucifixion. And this is what Jesus says in, um, uh, in these passages. He says, what is that, verse number 23, I think that is. Uh, or no, that's not 23, it's 26, I think. Verse 26, so Jesus insists, this is in your notes, so if anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. So what Jesus is saying is that God is going to glorify himself through the suffering of Jesus Christ, and Jesus is saying, anyone who's going to follow me, anyone who's going to be my disciple, has to take up his cross also. God's glory is revealed in us through suffering uh, in our lives. In fact, let's look at several ch passages that kind of bear this out, and we're going to try to move through these kind of quickly. We have several verses I want us to read tonight. But Jesus is saying in the same way that God's glory is revealed through his suffering, God's glory can be revealed in our suffering as well. Let's look at Luke. Um, you might want to hold your finger and put a marker there in John chapter 12. But let's look at Luke chapter 9. Verses 23 and 24, which bears this out. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and do what? Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So how's God's glory? If, if we're going to follow Jesus Christ, we must also do what? Take up our cross and follow Jesus Christ. Turn to 2 Corinthians now chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 through 10. Second Corinthians 12, beginning of verse number, uh, verse 7. So to keep me, this is Paul writing, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of these revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." So what Jesus is revealing to us here is, is the method in which God's glory can be revealed in our life. His strength can be on display 
uh, in our life. So in your notes it says this, God's power is often revealed through our pain. We see God's power in our pain through our weaknesses. And so if we want to see God's glory, then we as Christ's disciples, we must be willing to embrace the cross rather than avoid the cross. And that's the point of Jesus' prayer here. He is saying, what should I pray? Lord, save me from this hour? He said, no, it's for this hour that I have come. And so Jesus' prayer was not to avoid the cross, but it was to embrace the cross because that was the means by which God was going to glorify Jesus Christ. And uh, it's a means by which he glorifies us also. So God's power is often revealed in our pain. We see his strength in our weakness. It's when, uh, it, is, it is only when we give our life away that we can save our life. And so God accomplishes his greatness and his glory in the moments of our weakness and our pain. And so we must be willing in those moments to embrace the cross rather than to avoid the cross. And how many knows that requires prayer? It takes prayer because what we would rather pray is, Lord, save me from this hour. Save me from this trial. Save me from this suffering. Um, and so that's the natural thing, that, and that's what Jesus admits here. He says it would be natural. In the natural man, we want to say, Lord, save me from this hour. But in reality, the way that we see God's glory revealed in this is when we embrace that suffering because we know that it's in our suffering that his power is made complete and he can demonstrate his strength in our lives and through us. And so we must learn how to pray to um, embrace the cross and rather than to avoid uh, the difficulty and adversity we go through. So how do we pray uh, when we're in tr going through trials and through tribulation and difficulty? When we, when we face that hour of suffering in our life, how should we pray? Number one, um, I got some suggestions for you. Number one, pray for the peace of God. In that moment, we should pray for the peace of God. John chapter 14, flip back over to the Gospel of John, but a couple of chapters forward. John chapter 14. <clears throat> Verse number 27. Jesus says to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid. So when we're going through uh, that hour of our own suffering, we need to pray, God, give me the peace that surpasses understanding. Give me the peace that, God, you can give to me in spite of the difficulty, in spite of the tribulation that I'm going, to and going through. And, and how many knows God is faithful to do that, that he will give us uh, his peace. Number two, pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. Did you notice here in John chapter 12 when Jesus, before he prays, he says, what then uh, and what then shall I 
say. How many knows Jesus said that for our benefit? It wasn't that he didn't know what to pray, but he said it for our benefit. Because how many knows when we're going through that hour of suffering, sometimes we don't know how we ought to pray. It's difficult to know how we ought to pray. And so in that, those times when we don't know how we ought to pray, we can rely on the help of the Holy Spirit uh, to pray. Look at Romans chapter 8. I know that many of you are familiar with this passage, but let's look at it tonight. Romans chapter 8, verse number 20, beginning in verse number uh, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So in your hour of suffering when you don't know what to pray or how to pray, aren't you thankful for the help of the Holy Spirit that can help you to pray in that, in that moment? How does the Holy Spirit help us uh, to pray when we don't know how we ought to pray? I've preached a, I'm pretty sure I've preached a whole message on this one time before, but let me give you a couple of things. Number one, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray with those, what Paul says here, with those groanings and those utterances that we can't even, how many of that, what Paul's talking about that there is that prayer language that we receive when we're baptized, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that when we pray with the Holy Spirit, when we pray with that heavenly language that uh, it doesn't communicate with our intellect, but how many knows it's communicating directly with God the Father. The Holy Spirit is interceding through us with a language, with words we haven't learned, but it is, it is the Holy Spirit interceding through us. So, so the Holy Spirit helps us when we pray in that prayer language where communicate. So Paul says, so we ought to pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues, because the Holy Spirit is interceding through us. Number two, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray because the Holy Spirit reveals the thoughts and the intents and the motives of our hearts. Rather than us praying what we think we ought to pray, how many knows when we pray with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can reveal our hearts and our motives and help us pray more correctly. Amen? Because when I pray, I have my natural man that is wanting me to pray a certain way. My natural man is saying what? Get me out of this. <laughs> Lord, save me from this hour, save me from this tribulation, save me from what I'm going through. And so that's the natural man is saying, I want to pray this way. But when I'm, when I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to say, no, don't pray that you avoid that hour, but pray that God will have his way and bring glory to God in your life in that hour. So the Holy Spirit helps us to pray with the right motivations, right? And the right kind of heart. And then number three, the Holy Spirit can help us to pray because the Holy Spirit can tell us specifically what to pray for. And that means that he can give us uh, the understanding to pray 
intelligently about the situation that we may be in. Amen? So the Holy Spirit helps us We're in, when we are in that hour of need, when we are in that hour of suffering and tribulation, we can pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad that God has given us a comforter? Aren't you glad that he has given us a counselor, the Holy Spirit that can help us to pray when we're in that moment of tribulation and suffering? So we pray for the peace of God. We pray, for the, pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. And then number three, we need to pray for endurance, that we would have the strength to endure. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 22 says, the one who endures to the end shall be saved. Amen? And so we need, in the, in the time of our tribulation, in the hour of our suffering, we need to pray that God would help us to endure. Let's, uh, so I told you what Matthew says. Let's turn, though, to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and read that. 1 Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, I said 1 Timothy, I should say 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, this is saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Aren't you thankful for that promise? And if we endure, we will also reign with him. You see that the way to glory, uh, to God's glory being revealed in us is for us to do what? To endure suffering, to endure tribulation, uh, because the pathway to God's glory always leads through Gethsemane, right? And so it's in Gethsemane that we need to learn to pray, Lord, give me the strength, the ability to endure, because if I will endure to the end, I will be saved. And if I endure, I will reign with Jesus Christ. Praise God. So we need to pray for peace, pray with the help of the Holy Spirit, pray for endurance. Pray, number four, pray for the fulfillment of God's purpose. God has a purpose in your pain. God has a plan for your suffering. How many knows he is a good God? He's going to accomplish good things in your life through whatever you're going through. He's going to glorify himself in your life through what you are going through. But you need to pray for the fulfillment of God's purpose, whatever his purpose is in that situation. Philippians 1.6 says, but I know that God is faithful to finish the work that he has begun in me. God has started a good work in each and every one of you tonight. Amen. And so whatever you're going through, God's got a purpose in it. He has a plan for it. And he is going to fulfill that purpose. He's going to finish that work. And so when we're going through that hour of adversity, we need to pray, God, I believe in you to fulfill whatever purpose you have in me through this. Whatever you want, you're going to accomplish in my life through this, God, I'm praying that you will fulfill it and that you will, that you will accomplish it. Let's look, um, though, at Psalm 57, verses 1 through 3. This is a great passage. Psalm 
57. Psalm 57, verse 1 through 3. This could, I mean, you can pray this as a prayer in, in your hour of adversity and trouble. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. Look at verse 2. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. So when you're in that hour of tribulation and adversity, you can call out to God, cry out to him, say, God, be merciful to me. I cry out to you, fulfill the purpose that you have in my life. When you're going through difficulty, then we want to see God accomplish his good work in our lives. I mean, we don't want to waste our suffering. We want God to use it to bring glory uh, to, to himself through it. Amen. So pray for the fulfillment of God's purpose. And then number five, pray that you may hear God's voice in the midst of it. Pray that you would hear God's voice in your hour of suffering. Did you notice that when Jesus prays here, he says, what shall I pray? God, save me. Father, save me. No, it's for this purpose. God, you're, you're accomplishing your purpose in my life through this. And so when he prayed, um, when he prayed in this, at this moment, then the Bible says that he heard a voice from heaven when he said, Lord God, Father, glorify yourself in me. Then he heard a voice uh, from heaven and the voice said, what? I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Look at verse number 29. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken uh, to him. And Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. So they, they heard a sound. They didn't recognize the voice. Jesus recognized the voice because it was the voice of his father. Uh, and in that moment of his uh, Gethsemane-like prayer, when he is calling out to God in the hour uh, that had come upon him, God confirmed his love and confirmed his will uh, for, his, for his son. And so when we're in that hour of tribulation, then we should pray that we can hear God's voice in the middle of our suffering. The passage there is 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, verse 10. And you'll recognize that story of Samuel that was, that was in the temple. And while he was in the temple, God spoke to him and remember, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10, Samuel is saying what? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your adversity, in the hour, in, in your darkest hour, how many knows God is not silent? He is speaking. He is at work in your life. Do you believe that tonight? 
Even, even when it seems like things are going wrong, God's in control. And he, he has a purpose in your pain. He has a plan for your suffering. And, and his, his plan is this. He wants to reveal his glory in your life. God, God wants to do good things in you, even in the hour of your suffering and your pain. And so we need to be praying and saying, God, I want you to accomplish your purpose in my life. I want you to have your way, Lord, in my life. Give me, God, the grace that I need to endure. Give me the peace, God, that passes all understanding, Lord. And help me, God, to hear your voice, to know what you're saying, to understand your direction, to follow your purpose in all of this, and, and Lord, to just trust you with what I'm going through. Jesus told his disciples uh, in John chapter 16, he says, in this world, you will have tribulation. I mean, I mean as everything Jesus said was true, we know that's true, though, don't we? <laughs> in this world, you will have tribulation. So I'm telling you tonight, in this world, we will have tribulation and suffering and, and adversity. But Jesus said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And it's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's because of the victory that he won for us through his resurrection that we have that promise that nothing, uh, that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and who gave himself for us. Nothing that the devil can do to you can defeat God, the purpose that God has for you if you will learn to trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. Give him your heart give him your life. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.